Generational eating for generational health. Okay. Did we know that's a thing? We always know that, like, hey, we should eat good. And we always think about that in terms of benefiting ourselves. But let's have a conversation around generational eating. How does what we eat affect others in our family? Okay. How has what others in our family affected us? Okay, this is important information. And I think having a conversation around this and opening our minds up in this way of not just thinking of ourselves when we eat, but thinking of our other family members is a great way to encourage us to eat healthy. Okay, we're in this together. All right. So I'm so glad that you joined me. If you're listening on podcasts, at some point, pop over to YouTube and take a look at this. I do have um, some little graphics and things like that to share in today's episode. Okay, so generational eating for generational health. I've got this handy dandy little graphic here on the screen. We're going to talk about that, this graphic, a little bit more later in the episode. But for now, to really open the conversation up on generational eating, for generational health, we really need to understand what genetics are, what genes are, okay? So to do that, let's get us a really good definition on genes. This is one from Oxford Health, okay? Um, And regarding genes, it says it's a unit of heredity, which is transferred from a parent to offspring and is held to determine some characteristics of the offspring, Okay, so here is another good uh, definition of a gene. You know, we always hear, oh, this is in the genes, you know, how you eat or, you know, whatever is in the gene. So let's explore that word gene. Here's a simpler definition. Okay, the basic unit of heredity passed from parent to child. Genes are made up of a sequence of DNA and are arranged one after another at specific locations on chromosomes in the nucleus of the cell, okay? So this is what genes are, you know, at the core that we want to start thinking about. Let's start thinking deeply here, okay? So now that we've got the definition of genes, let's go back um, and kind of look at one area of our graphic here, okay? So we've got three women here, and we're going to kind of jump in and out on this this photo um, throughout today's episode. And they're all different ages. Um, These are relatives, okay? So we've got the grandma in the middle, we've got the mommy on the end, and we got the daughter on the other end. And guess what? These three ladies are all genetically carrying a lot of the same material, okay? So really, the most important person in this picture is the one here in the middle, the grandma, right? Because guess what? This baby, the mommy here in the picture, was in her belly. And the eggs of the daughter were in the baby's belly when she was in the grandma, okay? So three generations 
are always going to be inside of each other at some point. Very interesting, right? So how important now when we're talking about genes and heredity and how things are passed on, how important do you think it was what grandma ate when her daughter was in her belly? That information was already passed through to the eggs of the granddaughter. So those genetics don't come out until 20 or 30 years later, but they were made 20, 30 years ago by what grandma ate and what the grandma before that ate. Very powerful, right? Very interesting. I could get lost in this. This is just fun for me. Ask me any questions that you have on this. But now we're starting to get the picture of how important this is. So let's talk a little bit more about genetics. And then at the end of this episode, I want to give you a simple little DIY thing you could do at home to improve generational eating in your family for striving for generational health. I'm even going to share some um, images um, of a little recipe that I make. Um just to promote generational health, okay? So stick around to the end for that, all right? Now, let's talk about genetics a little bit more because we've got to really understand this before we can apply that to the way that we eat and fully get the benefit from the information, okay? So do genetics influence what we eat? That's a good question because a lot of people say, oh, you know, whatever you like is genetic too. Is there any truth to that? The reason people love certain foods and dislike others is based off of more than you think. Culture, taste buds, exposure to foods as a child. These are all things that could affect your taste. Scientists say it's actually linked to our genetics. So I think of this like this. You know how there's some foods that just, oh, they speak to your soul. You're like, I just love this. This is because this is what your, you know, grandparents, great grandparents, your ancestors ate. So it's familiar to you, if that makes sense. Now, of course, we, um, you know, now modern times, we have a much uh, wider variety of foods that we like. I like foods that have absolutely nothing to do with my cultural background. And we get a lot of genetic benefit from varying the types of food that we eat as well. But your soul food, you know, things that just make you go, oh, I love this so much. A lot of the times that's going to be the things that have been generationally eaten in your family. So very interesting there. Okay. Now let's go on and talk about this even further. Okay. Did you know that eating healthy in some ways um, can change your genetics a bit, okay? And that's important to know because going back to our illustration here, um, if you are eating well, you're going to pass on better genetic material. So in that nucleus of the cell, when you're eating good foods, all these good genetic information are stored. And then that information is passed on to the next child. Okay. So then let's talk about this. Simply put, what you eat won't change the sequence of your DNA. Um, That's already done um, at birth the most part, for the most part, that information, how it is going to be is kind of already 
determined at birth. It's arranged and that's kind of it. However, your diet does have a profound effect on how you express the possibilities encoded in your DNA. The foods you consume can turn on or off certain genetic markers, which play a major and even life or death role in health outcomes. Very interesting. Okay. So again, if you are eating lots of good things, you are going to turn on those good genes. So then let's take a mother, for example. All of us are mothers here. Many of us are or will be in the future, either now or in the late future. Okay. But what we eat, okay, even before we conceive, let's say you've you've eaten horribly like most of your life. Even if six months before you plan on conceiving, you change your diet, you are going to pass on to your baby better genetic information, okay? Better genetic material and build a healthier baby, okay? These are the statistics. So um, this is something we really need to stop and think about and reason on and see if we can make any any changes okay so if you're eating good um you know prior to conception even at conception or even when the baby is in utero it still has a very big impact on how the baby's developed again think about that mom you know with the eggs okay so she's eating good food during her pregnancy the uh fetus the baby growing in her belly benefits but then if you've got a girl in there or even a boy their sex cells are going to be healthier and pass on better genetic information if you yourself are eating well so again don't just think about the baby in your baby in your belly Think about the baby in your baby's belly or the baby that might be made from your uh, male child's sperm. Okay. That's genetic information that's being passed on. Okay. So again, um, the way that our, our, our bodies kind of function and the way those cells are going to be expressed over life does matter based on the things that we eat. Okay, so very, very, very important. And again, um, there was a very interesting study done in the UK. Um, This is a 2016 study. It says researchers at the University of Oxford have demonstrated that the diets of organisms can affect DNA sequence of genes. So, you know, this is... uh, you know, a proven thing. Um, National Institutes of Health, um, we are what we eat. The link between diet um, is a, the link between diet and a non-genetic inheritance. The old adage that pregnant women eat for two might be more true than ever um, now due to this study. This was actually a study all the way back in 2008. Okay. So, um, you know, eating for two, it's not just about eating a lot of food. It's about the quality of foods that you're eating. The best um, quality of foods are going to help your body push out the best genes possible and develop that baby. And then in turn, that baby will have a better chance at developing a healthier baby when it's their time to make a baby. Okay. Um, scientists uncovered genetic evidence that we are what we eat. This was, again, um, a 2016 study. Researchers have de- demonstrated that diets of organisms really do affect the sequence of the genes. Okay. 
Um, a person's diet is an important source of epigenetic signals, and scientists are now investigating how eating habits modify gene expression. Okay, so again, you may have even started with some good genes, right? But then, um, let's say you just kind of adapt, you know, not the best eating habit. Let's say your mama was real good. You're like, hey, don't actually give a crap. I'm gonna eat what I want, do what I want. And then you go to have a baby. Okay. Um, you had some good stuff developmentally, but now your genes are probably going to express some of the not as good parts of your DNA. So by that, I mean any um, genetic diseases. If you're eating healthy, your body can turn off some of those bad genes for you so that you don't develop the condition and then you also don't pass it on to anyone else. Um, now, even if you're eating healthy, let's say, um, you know, sometimes bad things just do happen. Sometimes, you know, it was just in the cards. It just can't be overridden with diet alone. You know, some things, genetic uh, situations take decades to correct. It would take decades of, you know, good eating to get rid of this genetic eating um, in your family or excuse me, generations. It would take generations of good eating to get rid of this genetic condition in your family. Okay. So don't feel bad about any of this stuff, but this is important things to note. Okay. All right. A 2016 study, this is again another European study, almost all of our genes may be influenced by the foods that we eat according to new research uh, published in the Journal of Nature Microbiology, okay? So our genes are affected, again, just to make sure that we're understanding if we're eating good things, we turn on good genes and suppress bad ones. That benefits our cells because we um, will have less of those disease diseases affect us. And then it's also a benefit for future offspring because when they're in utero, um, they will develop better. When they are formed as a person, they will have better genes in them to pass on to their uh, offspring as well. So again, that's how it works. It's a cycle. It's a cycle. Okay. Now, let's go back to our graphic again. And I just love this picture of this, you know, happy, you know, three generations because, you know, this is it. This is it, you know. Um, as mothers, we have such a special privilege. And I'll be honest with you, as mothers and as women, a lot of this responsibility does fall on us to do this generational eating for generational health. Why? We're the ones who are cooking. We are the ones who are responsible for most of the meals. We're the ones who oftentimes are divvying out the snacks and things like that. We are the ones who tell our husbands what to eat, right? Hey, put that down. Don't eat that, right? Eat this, eat that. Like we are the bosses of the family, okay? We are running this. So when it comes to our health as women, as the leaders of our, of our families, if we are eating bad, okay, we teach that to our children's. They don't know what to eat, just like many of us. We didn't know, right? And they, our parents didn't know either. So this is not a blame game. It's about understanding what's happening, see it, taking some accountability for our actions, and moving forward. That's all we could do, 
right? So again, remember your role in your family as the woman, okay? The things that we cook, right? Um, the way that we teach eating in our families, it's going to be passed down orally by the things that, you know, our children will grow off and do with their families, but then at a genetic level, right? If you're a young woman and you're not married yet and um, you haven't had a baby yet, think about changing the way that you eat for your children and for your grandchildren, right? So if you have not had a baby yet, you are able to really impact three to four generations by what you put in your mouth, right? Three to four generations by what you eat. They're not even here yet. They ain't even here yet, right? But all that genetic in information is being stored and we're either turning off good or bad genes every day by the things that we eat. So again, if you have not had a baby yet, if maybe you're newlywed and you and your husband are planning on having a baby next year or something, or, you know, maybe this has been a long time project for you, maybe you waited for a while, you know, a decade or something, and now you want to have a baby, do some body prep. You and your husband eat really, really, really good for as long as you can before you have that baby. Turn off as many as of those bad genes as you can. So you can make the healthiest baby that you possibly can pass on that good genetic information. And then when your baby has a baby, guess what? Those grandkids even benefited from how you ate. Okay. They benefit, right? Now let's say um, you kind of fell into motherhood. You know, maybe you're a single mom. Maybe you did not have time to plan for your pregnancies, you know, planner, and this information just wasn't available. You know, you didn't have the time. That's okay. There's still a lot we could do. If your baby is here already, guess what? By what you feed your child, by the dinners we make, that next generation is going to be healthier, even if ourselves are a little bit unhealthy. That's kind of my situation, right? You know, um, I was able to do some of the body prep, but unfortunately, the people before me and the people before that, nobody ate good, okay? And as a child, I didn't eat good, okay? So again, with our kids, how good can we feed them? That turns off bad DNA in their bodies. So they're less likely to uh, develop genetic diseases or even um, non-genetic ones, lifestyle diseases. They're less likely to develop those as well if they're eating healthy. And then when they go to have their baby, they're healthier. They've got good genetic information stored up. So then when they conceive, whammo, nice, healthy baby. Okay, so it can be um, that simple. It can sound very simple. And of course, there are a million variables. Um, again, sometimes things are just going to happen. You know, genetic problems just happen and there's nothing you could eat as perfect as you want. And you're still going to have an issue. It happens. But if we can, you know, do a little bit better, why not? Why not put the odds a little bit more in our favor if we can? Right. Okay. Now. What I want to do next is I want to give us some good information on things that we can do based on the genetics that we carry. So how do you know what genetics you carry? What genetics do you carry? What genetics do I carry? Is there a way that we can eat that is more beneficial for our genetics? So to kind of answer that question, we kind of have to know 
where what genes we carry okay so me i'm obviously you know a black female so those are most of the genes that i carry simple as that what do you look like okay so then take what you look like and look at the map find where the other people are originally from that look kind of like you and then start eating things that are kind of from that area okay um now why is that important remember how in the beginning we kind of talked about that soul food aspect Ooh, what is the food that just make you like man this is it i love this so much that's always going to kind of be similar to what you look like what the people from that area have eaten okay this is an ancestral thing all right so for me you know i need to look things that, you know, um, early Americans ate um, because I'm American, but then farther back than that, I'm also, you know, got some African as well. Okay. So that's how you want to do it. Okay. So I kind of have put together this little chart for us. And this is a very um, broad topic. Some of the statements here are going to be very general because if you really want to do this well, you need to do it by country and even narrow it down further by region. But just for, you know, sake of argument today and to get your, you know, gears to, to go in a little bit, I just did it by continent. Excuse me. I'm going to take a drink of water. So by continent, what I did for us is I put together some foods that by continent are good things that our ancestors have eaten and will give us a um, genetic good start, right? That are genetically good for us. Things that are already pre-programmed inside of us that are good, that are helping us fight disease because of somebody ate that a long time ago, okay? And then I put a couple of foods that genetically our ancestors did horrible and um these are things that, that will make bad genes come out and it is linked to a lot of the genetic diseases that you know we face you know racially okay so i hope this is making sense um and let's get right into it okay so i will start with a for africa okay so the continent of africa and again you got to do this by country i cannot go through every country in the world obviously in one episode but if you guys are ever interested in doing a by country um or you want me to just do your country drop me a line somewhere that would be fun to do okay so africa here are some of the good things that the continent of Africa does um, well as a whole. Some foods that are present in most countries in Africa, not all. Again, this is very general, um, that are good and that have given Africans some very good genetic information, some genetic strength. Okay, so one food that I um, pinpointed was sweet potato leaf. In a lot of the West African countries, um, sweet potato leaf is consumed just like another green, just like eating collard greens or kale, mustard greens, anything like that. Um, and that isn't the case in a lot of other places. Um, not a lot of other people outside of West Africa eat sweet potato leaves, but they're extremely good for you. They're so good for you. 
I think I've had sweet potato leaf one time in my life because I had some West African friends. Wouldn't have never known about it if it wasn't for that, right? So that is a really good thing. Um, now, another thing that Africans eat a lot of that aren't present in a lot of other um, cuisines is nuts. They make a lot of nut soups where the nuts are grind up and that is like the base of the soup. They just eat a lot of nuts as they go along. Africa has a really wide variety of nuts and nuts. I cannot tell you the benefits enough of nuts. Any Western diet does not have enough nuts in it. And nuts are so important for brain development. Um, they really help you to kind of be very mentally sharp. Um, there's, of course, a lot of bone um, health um, that is just greatly improved when you have a diet that is filled with the consumption of nuts. Think about this. When's the last time you heard of an African person falling down and breaking something? Like... Very little osteoporosis um, and things like that. And Africans, even you see that little old African lady, you know, uh, she's standing up pretty straight and she probably doesn't have osteoporosis. And again, this is because the diet is just flooded with nuts. Okay. So again, this is something great that Africa as a whole does. Again, your country is going to be a little bit different. So um, find the value in this information for you and for your country. Now, um, two things that have had Africans pass on some bad genetic material. This is things that generationally um, Africans consume that are not the best, okay? Um, cassava products. West Africa, um, there is a lot of, um, you know, um, like fufu and things like that that are made from very starchy, starchy foods. Um that can a lot of time be become an issue. And that is because, you know, that does, you know, raise your sugar levels and things like that. Um, your traditional um, Africans are walking a lot and things like that, but, you know, not as much nowadays. Everybody's becoming like the U.S. where we sit in front of computers and stuff like that and sit on our phones all day. So um, as the years go on, we will start to see this become more of an issue for Africa. Um now, the other thing in African um, diets as well is heavy oils, palm oils, especially palm oils are very heavy, heavy, greasy oils. Um, this is why we see in African women and even black American women, the high incidences of fibroids, because there's a lot of palm oils in the diet, which over the generations are going to make the offspring more sensitive to oils. The body's like, all of us have been eating oil. Stop. We've had enough. Your grandma had it, girl. And now you having it is too much. So that is a thing. That's why um, the greasy foods really are um, an issue for Africans and Black Americans and anybody that really is um, has any sort of uh, Black, you know, um, African ancestry. OK, I will throw another one out here that is also a problem um, in Ethiopia. We're on East Africa now. Coffee is a big issue. Um, I feel a lot of the Ethiopians, if you look at the statistics, Ethiopians are getting cancers at alarming rates. And um, I think it's because of the coffee. Ethiopians drink um, a lot of coffee. Um, they export. They're one of the world's leading, if not the leading um, country on exporting coffee. So um, that could be an issue there. Again, this is just my speculation. What do I know? Um, but 
again, that's a whole nother in-depth conversation because then you have to be like, well, why coffee? Why is coffee causing cancer? Whole nother topic, okay? Um, so just some things to be on the lookout. Now let's talk about Europe. Um, some things that Europe does good, um, and Europe is one of those ones that's like Northern America where there wasn't a lot uh, of good, unfortunately. Okay, for Europe, one thing that they do good is lots of root vegetables, especially for the um, landlocked countries um, that do not have sea access. Um, they do make up for that um, in root veggies. So, you know, lots of beets, um, uh, radishes and things like that in the in the cuisine. So that's really good. Another thing that Europe does good is they watch their sodium. They don't like stuff over salty and overdone. Um, which is very important for controlling um, high blood pressure, okay? So Europe does a really good job of that. Some things that Europe does bad, um, an abundance of meat. Europeans um, traditionally, um, their diets are very meat heavy, you know, like, hey, let's just have a big cut of steak, uh, you know, with some, you know, root veggies, maybe, maybe not. We might just eat the meat, you know. Um, so that is an issue. Um, and that has kind of translated and come overseas, you know, genetically from way back when and generationally, because, you know, that's why we eat a lot of, you know, steaks and, you know, big cuts of meat like that in America, because that is how Europeans ate and, you know, that came over with them. So, the overabundance of meat. Now, another thing that Europe better slowly roll on is the dairy products, lots of cheeses, um, lots of milk consumption, you know, things like that. And again, um, previously, you know, um, that was an issue because there's lots of walking and, you know, healthier lifestyle. Now we're all becoming very Western and sitting in front of stuff all day instead of moving. So again, as the years go on, we will start to see the dairy products affecting the Europeans like they affect um, a lot of uh, other places adversely. Okay. Let's talk about North America. You know, mostly the United States, y'all. I had to really um, think a lot on this one. The only thing that I really could come up with that we do well is oats. <laughs> That's like one good thing that um, North Americans are good for. Um, we do have a lot of oats in the diets, you know, and I'm talking, you know, at the core of the diet. You know, we want to have oatmeal in the morning and, you know, oat cookies and oats, oats, oats. Um, even like the Midwest is one of the world's leader in oat production as well. So we do oats well. Ah, uh, Everything else is kind of tough. Now, again, we would have to break this down by state um, to kind of really get a better idea. You know, um, the North kind of does, the Northeast specifically does a things a little bit better with the diet. Um, I think it was either Massachusetts or New Hampshire that was like the healthiest state. Um, but again, North America, we kind of stink. Uh, Americans, we kind of stink at the food thing. Now let's talk about some things that are bad that affect us. And I'm going to stay on this one um, because most of us here do live in North America. So I'm, I'm going to stay on this one for us a little bit more. Um, what we do awful, and it's a lot, is sugar-filled food foods man sugar filled foods everything in north america is just saturated with sugar 
And if you talk to a European, if you talk to an African, if you talk to an Asian, I'm not talking a European American or an African American or an Asian American. I'm talking about someone actually in that country and they come here on a vacation immediately when they put some food in their mouth, they're like, yo, everything here is sweet. Your cookies are so sweet. That's why now the Korean bakeries are getting popular because people are sick of the oversweet that we do here in America. If you have a Korean pastry, it's got like a little bit of sugar. It's not like overwhelming. It's just enough to give you what you need. Okay. So here as Americans, though, we put add sugar and we just add sugar some of the places i remember i went somewhere they had the nerve to put some some sugar and greens they had sugar and macaroni and cheese sugar in this then give you a sweet old soda with it it's too much guys we're doing too much with the sugar um some of it's our fault some of it's not it's just the way things are manufactured because they know the sugar is addictive and they want us to keep buying um europe is starting to do the same thing you know so that's just not here it's a western thing too okay so, um, but yeah, we do that horrible, guys. We're really bad with the sugar. And that is why um, I'll just share for us some statistics here in the U.S. heart disease. Um, remember, sugar also affects heart issues, okay? So um, CDC, guys, one in every five deaths is heart-related in our country, all right? That's awful. In the United States, someone has a heart attack every 40 seconds, cdc.gov. Every year, about 805,000 people in the United States have a heart attack. Of these, 605 are the very first attack. Heart disease has been the leading cause of death in the United States since 1950. Factors for heart disease include high blood pressure, high cholesterol, you know, smoking, diabetes. That's the one we want to weigh in on for this conversation. Diabetes, obesity, unhealthy diet and physical inactivity with the addiction with the addition excuse me of excessive alcohol use that's how we rolling out here in the states y'all that's how we that's what we working with it's not a good look it's not a good look um one thing we can do as americans is just stop drinking soda um which i will say i feel like not as many people drink soda um as they used to it's kind of an easy one to just kick out of the diet um but the sugar is a massive problem here it's a massive problem now let's talk about the other massive problem here in the united states for us in the north america region fast food we are the inventors of fast foods, fast, unhealthy foods, I should say. Okay. Um, you know, Mickey D's drive through all of that started here because we have this work, 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 you know, which we've had to, you know, this is, this is just life, you know, it's no one's fault, but it's what we've had to adapt to. And fast food has kind of helped us adapt to our, you know, crazy American pace of life. And, um, you know, fast food is an issue. Um, Recently, I have not had as much fast food as I had in times past, just, um, you know, due to my geographic location. And I cannot tell you the difference that I feel how much better when it is easy to get fast food. When you live in an area where you got Starbucks on every corner, you got, you know, Mickey D's, Chick-fil-A. That was one of my faves, Chick-fil-A you is is very difficult so don't feel bad if you're you know over um consuming fast food 
but try to just do a little bit better. Even if you could just do a little bit better, you know, maybe go from having it every day to once every three days, you're helping yourself out. You're helping your genes. You're giving those good genes a time to turn on. Okay. So we got work to do here in North America. Okay. Let's talk about South America. Um, South America is good because they got tomatoes. Did you know, um, originally tomatoes are native to South America and then the Spaniards took them back to Europe. And that's now how tomatoes are all over the place. We always think of Italians being kind of the tomato, you know, originators, but nope, it is South America. Okay. Pretty cool. So I'm not going to go into the debate about tomatoes, you know, being edible or not. Some people say we shouldn't be eating those because they're, I think they're technically in the nightshade family. I feel like they're all right because we've been eating them for several hundred years now and, you know, they're pretty good. So I'm going to say that they're, they're pretty good. Okay. Other thing that South America does really good is beans. Okay. South America is really, really good. Um, with having uh, diets that are high in beans. Um, and again, from beans, you get a lot of good protein, okay? So um, yes, very, very good. Now, one of the things that South America does bad, outside of the US, South Americans actually consume the most soda, okay? So that is something that we could definitely work on South America. Um, the other thing that South America can definitely give a little consideration to is um, high carb foods. Um, you know, it's a lot of rice. Most of the dishes are um, based on rice. Um, you know, brown rice is is not um, as available and they don't really take the starch off of the rice. Um, like some of the Middle Easterns, you know, it's like basmati rice. They take a lot of the starch off. It's a much healthier type of rice, even in um, some of the um, Asian countries as well. Um, but, you know, the way we cook it in, in South America is a little bit differently. And because of that, it's a little bit more starch filled. Um, OK, so that is something to con consider um, for South Americans. OK, now let's talk about Asia. Um, the fermented foods are so good. And Asia has an abundance of fermented foods. It is very common, you know, even in Korean cuisine and things like that, to have a lot of fermented foods. Fermented foods are so good for gut health. I mean, they're really, really good for gut health. This is why in Asians, we see a lot less um, uh, gut diseases because they eat a lot of fermented foods, right? Um, so when you start thinking about this like that and seeing like what you know, diseases affect what races of people and why it kind of helps you to say, oh, put the whole picture together um, and think about our, our, gen our generational eating, okay? Um, the other thing that Asia does good is raw or lightly cooked veggies. So if you have like some traditional Asian foods, and this could be like, um, you know, even Southeast Asian, like even Indian cuisines up into, you know, your other like Asian, like, you know, China, Korea, things like that. They will have uh, their veggies not cooked all the way down to their mush. You know, the veggies are cooked in a way that they're still crunchy. They still have, you know, that snap to them. They're still living a little bit. So because of that, when you eat that food that's still living, you're passing on what? A lot of good genetic information. You're turning off bad genes. You're turning on the good ones. That gets passed on through generations, right? So um, this is why, you know, we see, you know, a lot of um, 
generational health um, in the Asian um, communities, okay? Asia, though, to be fair, um, they have just such a variety of edible plant species, you know? I mean, you think all the way from, you know, the South Asian, you know, to the North Asian, think about all the different types of veggies and fruits and stuff that are just so different that we just, a lot of it, we don't even have access to here. So they've got like genetically a, you know, diet with a lot of variety, a lot of genetic variety and variety is so good for us. So again, um, great information. Now let's talk about um, the bad things um, that could be improved on a little bit in the Asian diets. Um, soy products, um, especially um, in like, you know, your your Chinese, um, your Korean, Vietnamese, there's a lot of soy consumption in those diets. And this is why we see a lot of thyroid issues um, in Asians, even Asian males, which typically you don't see a lot of thyroid issues in males, like, you know, American males, you know, most of the time do not have a lot of thyroid issues, but you will see that a lot in Asian males. Okay. And that is because there is a lot of, um, soy-based um, products in the diet, okay? Um, another one that is more of a new one, um, I said artificial food coloring because uh, a lot of the um, fun new Korean foods or like Korean, um, not street food, but kind of like the stuff you would get um, can have a lot of food coloring, actually. So that's something that, um, you know, we kind of want to give some consideration to even like in the boba teas you know there was this thing with you know some of the boba teas the balls little boba balls in there you know are either like soy but like a plasticky kind of soy that really is not good to be consuming so um little things like that um with some of this more um commercialized um cuisines in asia um will eventually stack up generationally and become a problem so now let me take a swig of water What has really been the point of talking about things we eat by continent, the good and the bad? All of the good things that I mentioned for your continent, you are going to want to start consuming more of those. Why? Your body already knows what to do with it. Okay. Your body's like, oh, this is the good stuff that I was made of. Yay. More of this. So you're going to get... I feel more genetic benefit from it and turn off some of those bad genes faster because your body's like, hey, man, this is the good stuff that your great grandmama ate and your grandmama ate and your mama ate and you ate and we know what to do with this. Let's get you healthy. Okay. Um, let's talk about the bad things I listed out by continent. So recall what I said for your continent. And think about how you can start eliminating some of those things because these are the things that are giving you genetic issues, okay? Genetic problems. So if you can eliminate these from your diet, whatever they are based on your continent I gave you, okay, you are going to start to see improvement in your health, okay? You're going to improve your health for yourself and what your future generations. That's what I'm talking about. This is how what we eat affects other people. It's not just about us, not just about us. Okay. Even if you have no kids, let's say you're an auntie, when they come over to your house, what kind of food they see you cooking up in that pot? Hmm? 
What kind of food do you give them? So it just puts the idea in the minds of our young ones. Hey, you know, I had that auntie and she would cook, you know, this kind of food. Or she exposed me to different cultural foods. Varying our diet is important too, right? How what we eat affects others, okay? Um, guys, I really hope that you are enjoying this conversation. Um, now, let me just give you, remember at the beginning of this, I said I was going to give you kind of something that I um, do to kind of make it easier for myself. Because eating healthy, sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's not. I'm never going to sit up here and be like, it's so easy all of the time. All I eat is raw fruits and veggies. Unrealistic, okay? We got to enjoy life too, okay? Sometimes I'm going to eat the chocolate cake, all right? Um, Let's get this up here. Okay, so as women, we're busy. Now, let's stack that up some more if you're a mom. Let's stack that up even more if you're a mom of multiples, okay? We barely got time to think, let alone think about what we're eating, right? We got to take some of the guesswork out because if we don't think about it in advance, we fall for the fast food. We like, man, I didn't even think about what we're having for dinner tonight. Go through the McDonald's drive-thru. Let's get Popeye's chicken. We're good. I'm tired. Okay, we got to fight that. We got so much fighting against us. Here's how you do it. Girl, go ahead and get you the biggest pot you can find and start making yourselves, making for you and for your family, whole food soups. Okay, don't even put no meat in it. All right. What you do, you get this big old pot. You put every veggie you can think of. If you want to get a veggie soup recipe offline, I'll share what you kind of, what I put in mine. It don't even matter, okay? Whatever you could throw in the pot, cut it up. If you got kids old enough to help you with the cutting, girl, sometimes I'm so tired. I'm just in there hacking stuff. I even break it apart in my hand. I'm like, ugh, in the pot. I'm tired. Ah, Somebody help, okay? However you can get it done. Okay, this ain't about being a chef or having your soup look perfect with all the little cut up pieces. We're about survival. Okay, this is survival for us. We're surviving. Okay, so you take your veggies, put them in the pot, put you some water in there. You can put some veggie stock in there. If you want to put some chicken stock in there, no biggie. But the reason I'm saying no meats is because I know genetically, like in my family, being a Southern black person, we always putting greasy meat in that pot, okay? Oh, I'm going to make a veggie stew. I got some greens and some all this stuff in there, but I'm going to put some neck bones in it, you know, or yeah, something greasy and heavy. No, I can't do that. I can't afford to do it anymore, okay? So I'm like, look, I'm going to put just some broth in here, some veggie broth or whatever, season this up just a little bit of salt i put some thyme in here i put some rosemary in here and i just let the veggies cook down i put um i put zucchini in here i put um some potatoes i put some um beans the the white ones um celery you know some carrots parsley i put i went to the store and got like you know how the they have that dollar parsley Pitch the whole thing in there, okay? Just hacked it apart, threw the whole thing in there, okay? Any other veggies you want, throw it in there. Let it all cook down. And then what you do is you freeze this, okay? So that when you are in a pinch, 
All you've got to do is unthaw it. You could even put it in the pot while it's still frozen, you know, and, and as it starts to thaw out, it just, you know, your soup is ready. This is something that could be there that is a staple. You could, you know, have a couple pieces of bread with this. You know, that's not the most healthy thing, but who cares? Because at least you're getting a big old helping of veggies and good, you know, protein from beans. All right. If you want to, you know, bake some chicken with this one day, maybe you've got a little extra energy, throw on some chicken with it. Okay. Some healthy chicken, not the deep fried chicken, bacon. Okay. And you've got an addition to your meal or you've got a one pot meal. I put this in the freezer and freeze it. You could do this in the crock pot. Crock pot is a survival for us, okay? And again, this meal is going to do a couple of things. Number one, you're feeding yourself. You're feeding your children. And you're passing on good genetic information, okay? Simple as that. You're also teaching your children how to do it when they get in your shoes. Because eventually one day they're going to be a mama. One day you're going to be a grandmama. Okay, so this is how the, the kids need to see us doing. How they need to see us eating and planning ahead for our meals and everything. Okay, so that is what my soup looked like after, guys. And I hope that you found, you know, my little soupy soup to be helpful to you. It's just a simple veggie soup. I'm sure, you know, you guys are savvy. You can find some great soup recipes. For me, I'm just like, look, throw it in the pot, eat it, okay? Um, ladies, I would really like to know what you feel about this episode, okay? I would love, 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 love your feedback. I hope it's been interesting. I know it's been a lot. This has been a long one. Um, but I think that if this is really an important conversation. We need to start thinking about how what we eat affects our kids and their kids. Think of it that way. And I think when we think about it that way, right, it makes us want to, you know, eat right. Think of your grandkids. You know, do you want to feed your kids bad and have it affect them and then have it affect the grandkids too? We're all going to be there one day, okay? All right, ladies, let me tell you something else I would love for you to do for me. Could you please, if you're not already, follow me on Instagram. I very much appreciate that. Sometimes I put nutrition stuff here, um, you know, on Instagram and everything. So I hope you'll take advantage of that, following me there. I'm trying to be on Instagram less because I'll be honest, it'll mess your mental health up. You know me, I'm never going to tell you any lie. Every time I try to start growing my Instagram, I start feeling out of my mind because it just drains so much of your time and you get nothing done. So anyway, um, the next thing you could do for me, you could please follow me here on YouTube. Subscribe. Okay, um, hit the like on this video if you're watching on YouTube. Uh, subscribe, share the video. If they're, you know, if you're maybe you're a grandma and you're like, man, I really want my daughter to hear this, you know. You know, my daughter, she's giving my grandkids McDonald's all the time and she she's not getting it because I didn't get it when I was her age. And now I've learned, right? Um, share this video with her. Share this video with your friends, okay? All right, ladies, that is it for me today. If you have any questions on any of the information we went over today, please feel free to drop it um, below in the comments and I will see you next time. Have a good one. Bye-bye.
Nutrition is your new addiction. Go go on and work it, lady. Yeah, that's how you work it, lady. It's never nor maybe this is how you get it, baby. Work, work. 